Welcome to the 2024 season for Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, the number one podcast for Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks and home to the top-rated guidebook of the same name. And I am your author as well as your host for this and all the other podcasts and videos, Teddy Garland. And this podcast is... One that I do that's very popular because it is one day in Yellowstone Park. And it's just amazing to me that I will run into people in the little town of West Yellowstone at a bar or restaurant or something. We're sitting there talking and they go, you know, I said, where are you guys going to go tomorrow in Yellowstone Park? So I'm going to kind of help them out. I'm going to give them some tips and just kind of, you know, help them have a good day in the park. And, and, uh, Well, they go, no, we just had allotted one day for Yellowstone Park. And I go, you're kidding me. And they go, you know, just we didn't know it'd be so big. We had no idea how big Yellowstone Park was. And that catches everybody off guard. Yellowstone Park is huge. It's the size of Connecticut, you guys. So, And I go over all of the ins and outs of Yellowstone Park in my introduction podcast. But, but yeah, these guys just had one day, and they're going somewhere else tomorrow. And, you know, they're just bombing around in their car to national parks. But, you know, they only allotted one day in Yellowstone Park. And, honestly, without doing any hiking or anything else, Else, just going to the top sites in Yellowstone Park, it takes about a week. And uh, so, you know, I was going, geez, you guys. And the guy goes, oh, did you see anything good today? And he goes, not really. He goes, we kind of got stuck in our car all day. And in traffic, we didn't know the traffic would be so bad. And the line's going in the gates and all that. And it's like, man, sorry. And, and uh, you know, and I said, God, I, I write a guidebook that tells you how to beat all that stuff. Have a great day in Yellowstone Park. And, and so he goes, no kidding. I said, yeah, you know, so, and somebody else would go, yeah, we've got his guidebook, and we had a great day in Yellowstone Park today. So anyway, this podcast, and I have a chapter in the guidebook under this same heading, is devoted to those poor souls that only have one day to visit Yellowstone Park. Now, remember, we're just going to kind of gloss over everything here. We're going to kind of go over this whirlwind tour, but everything you need to pull this day off is written in depth in the guidebook guidebook for you guys. So, the guidebook has been uh, called the best guidebook ever written for Yellowstone Park and a must-have for any trip to Yellowstone and even the Bible for Yellowstone Park. So, I don't care how many days you guys have, if you're thinking about getting a guidebook for your Yellowstone vacation, whether it be one day or two weeks or whatever, and you want some more information, simply listen to my podcast, Introduction to Explore Yellowstone Like a Local, Or you can watch my YouTube video of the same name, and there you'll hear my family's over 100-year history in the park and my knowledge of Yellowstone Park and all that yada yada. And you'll also hear how easy the guidebook is to use. You don't have to read the entire guidebook, just one chapter. And today, if you only had one day, you're reading that one chapter, one day in Yellowstone Park. And the guidebook, of course, breaks the, the enormous size of Yellowstone Park down into manageable bites for the rest of you that you can easily and enjoyably do in a single day. And in the planning your Yellowstone vacation chapter, the guidebook helps you save time by beating all the crowds to the top sites and how to save thousands of dollars on your Yellowstone vacation by following my money, saving tips on flights, lodging, and dining. And everybody listening to this 
this podcast, I highly recommend all of you join our Explore Yellowstone Like a Local Facebook group, where you will see hundreds of sparkling reviews for the guidebook, as well as thousands of pictures that you guys have posted of you guys having a great time in the park with the help of the guidebook. All right, to get your copy, when you do decide to buy one, simply go to our website, exploreyellowstonelikealocal.com, where you can get an electronic copy for only 12 bucks or a paperback copy for 25 bucks, and I write a personal note to everyone who buys one and throw in a cool Yellowstone sticker as well. And there's some combo deals on there where you can get both of those and save some money, and those are very popular. And we have a store on there. You can get some T-shirts and hats and all that yada yada. But beware. We only print off a 1,000 paperback copies every year, and we will sell out. This is the spring of 2024, and last year in 2023, we sold out right around the August 10th or 12th, I think. So we'll sell out you know, earlier than that this year with our growing popularity every year. So uh, let's get started. And remember, this is just a, a gloss over of that chapter that's in the guidebook, a whirlwind tour of Yellowstone Park for those poor souls who only have one day to see Yellowstone Park. And I am amazed at how popular this podcast is and, and how few people realize how big Yellowstone Park is. Yellowstone Park is so big, you, you, it takes about a week to break it down. And that's what the guidebook does. It breaks it down into areas that you can do in a day. But everybody's used to going to these small national parks like Grand Teton. You can see Grand Teton, everything it has to offer in a day. Bryce, Zion, all those national parks are easily visited in a day, but not Yellowstone. I mean, it's the size of Connecticut. You can get fit 15 New York cities inside the boundaries of Yellowstone Park. So, all right, let's get started. Whirlwind tour, Yellowstone Park. Here we go. All right, it's vitally important you guys get through the gate early today. You guys got to remember the sun comes up about 5.15 in the morning in the summer months. So just try to get through the gate by around 6 a.m. You got to get out in front of those 10,000 cars, especially today. You got to be in one of the front cars and get out in front of everybody. You cannot get risk getting stuck in a bison jam today or, or an elk jam in the fall. So get out in front of the cars, get in the gate by about 6 o'clock, and you're going to have a much nicer, smoother, easier day. Plus, a little bonus is early in the morning you get to see a lot more animals in the heat of the summer the animals go hide in the trees to get in the shade to get out of the heat. They'd rather have it cold than be really hot. So in the more early mornings, you guys have a great chance to see bears and bison and elk and all that kind of stuff out in the open because in the summer months, they're going to go back and hide in the trees to stay cool. So early in the morning when it's cool, you guys get a great chance to see a lot more animals in, in, in droves. They're out there in droves. You just can't see them because they're all in the trees during the middle of the day. So, all right, we're going straight to the canyon area. If you're coming from West Yellowstone, you're going to go Westgate to Madison Junction, Madison Junction to Norris, and Norris to Canyon, and there's a map in the back of the guidebook that shows you all of that, so you guys can kind of see what I'm talking about as I, as I run along through here. So, And don't forget, from the Westgate to Madison Junction, there's a story in the guidebook about the three brothers, and you'll see the three brothers' peaks and everything else, and that story is the most important story to Yellowstone Park getting named the world's first national park. It is a vitally important story and everybody in your group needs to hear it. But I want you to do it on the way back out today. When we're finished, we're gonna stop at the pullout I tell you to in the guidebook. All right, so once you start approaching Canada, 
Canyon Junction. You're just going to go straight to Canyon Junction. And then, uh, but once you start getting into the Canyon Junction, there's a nice big valley out in front of the Canyon Junction right there. And that's a great place to start seeing moose, which is kind of, are kind of hard to find in Yellowstone Park. And it's a great place to see some grizzly bears. So here, here's your first story as well. I was zooming through the park, God, mid middle of October, uh, probably 10 years ago, 2010, 12, right through there. And early in the morning, just like I want you guys to be. And I pull up to that stop sign at that intersection right there, Canyon. Nobody in the park. All the stuff's closed over there in the Canyon area. Nothing's open. The visitor center's closed. You know, all the stores are closed, everything else. And I mean, right in front of me, coming right out of that gas station, you'll see a gas station off to your left right through there. Gas station's closed. Nobody's there. Uh, this monster monster grizzly bear walks right across the road, right in front of me, about 50 feet in front of me. And I said, holy crap, look how big that grizzly bear is. And then right on his ass, right behind that grizzly bear, there's these two boys. These two, you know, they're 20-year-old kids walking behind that grizzly bear. Man, about 25 feet behind that grizzly bear, just walking behind it, taking some pictures and all this kind of crap. So I wait for that grizzly bear to clear, and I pull up, and I get my car between that grizzly bear and them. I go, man, what are you idiots doing? <laughs> Come on, man. You can't follow that grizzly bear around like that. And they were from Italy. And so I go, oh my God, get in. So they jumped in and one of them spoke a little bit of broken English. The other one didn't speak any Italian. I spoke a little Italian, but I mean, they were, we didn't know, we didn't know and all this stuff. So we swing out through the parking lot. You know, the whole place is shut down. There's nobody there. Get out in front of that grizzly and we take three or four good pictures and it walks right by the car pictures and everything else and <laughs> I asked him where they were from in Italy and they're from Naples and I told him I'd been over to the Amalfi Coast and all that stuff a few times and then we were talking about everything laughing and all that kind of stuff and and uh, <laughs> yeah those guys are just following that grizzly bear like they're walking behind a little dog or something like that they're like oh my god you guys are gonna get killed I, I took them back up to their car and their car was back up the hill towards that gas station a little bit. And when I dropped him off, I'll tell you another quick funny story. I noticed that the road was closed coming down Dunraven Pass. And I go, why is Dunraven Pass closed? Well, they close it on a certain date every year, no matter if there's snow on it or not. Boy, the light came on in my head as being a big surfer and skateboarder. The next year, I uh, carted a skateboard up at the top of Dunraven Pass and skateboarded down that thing doing about 50 miles an hour on a longboard skateboard. It was really quite fun. So... Anyway, there's two quick stories about the Canyon Junction right here. Those two guys fall on that bear. That bear is as big as a Volkswagen, man. It was huge. They're just walking right behind it. You know, they're like, you know, trying to get pictures of it and all that kind of stuff. It's like trying to get away from those two boys. It was pretty funny. So, all right. So, once you hit Canyon Junction, I want you to turn right and you're going to go back south and you're looking for Artist Point. And so, you're going to go past the North Rim Drive and then past past the turnoff for the brink of the upper falls and then pretty quickly you're going to come to the turnoff to go to the left and for Artist Point. And remember there's a map in the back of the guidebook that shows this whole area right through there so you can kind of look and through that map in the back right there because those maps are not available until you go in a visitor center but we have provided a, a detailed map of the canyon area for you in the back of the guidebook. So 
once you cross over the Chittenden Bridge, and the Chittenden Bridge is not named after Hiram Chittenden, who was the young engineer who laid out all the park roads, and basically you're still driving on the park roads that he laid out for horses and carriages back in the day. But, I mean, he did a fabulous job laying out the, uh, the roads on the Chittenden Bridge, and he tells a story that... Uh, that a man laying out a road from Oregon to Washington, D.C. would encounter less problems than he did in one mile of laying out the roads in Yellowstone Park because of all the thermal activity and everything else. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Plus, you guys got to remember, once you crossed into halfway between West Yellowstone and Madison Junction, you entered the caldera. And so basically from the rest of this entire day, you're driving on top of a super volcano. You're driving on top of the second largest volcano on earth behind Tambora. And you're just on top of it all day long driving around on it. It's crazy. It's really, really an interesting deal and kind of cool. So, but yeah, you, you have entered and driving on your entire day on top of an active volcano, the second largest one on planet earth. It's pretty wild. But yeah, Hiram Chittenden, you'll drive across the Chittenden Bridge, and then look over to your right and your left, and you can kind of see how powerful that Yellowstone River is surging and rolling and moving through there. It gets cooking underneath that Chittenden Bridge, I promise you. Okay, and here is about where this podcast starts to get glossed over, what you're supposed to go do in the canyon area, and the guidebook takes over. So from this point on, the guidebook, you're going to pick up the guidebook, and it's going to tell you where to go first, and then second, and then third, and then fourth, and then fifth in the canyon, and give you detailed descriptions of everything you're going to go see. Like you're going to head down to Artist Point, and then I tell you the great story of Thomas Moran. Moran and the tell you where the Moran bench is and all that stuff and then I send you back to a different spot in the canyon you know and I've got you staying ahead of all the other tourists and all the other tour groups and these huge busloads of tourists that are going to inundate that area and they're basically right behind you about 20 or 30 minutes behind you and we're going to stay out in front of everybody and while we're in the canyon area, I'm going to tell you another story real quick. And I was up in the canyon area in the spring of 2023 all by myself. And I went into the park early like I preached to you guys to do, like you guys are supposed to be doing today. And I walked up there on the Artist Point viewing platform, which we are heading to. And I there was two people up there, this girl and this guy. And I walked up there and I started, you know, talking to him. Hey, how you guys doing? No, 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 no. And after about 20, 30 seconds, this girl kind of walks over to me. And she goes, hey, you're, you're Teddy Garland, aren't you? And I said, yes, yes, I am. She goes, well, I would have never, ever believed it. And I said, what? And she goes, I've been to Yellowstone Park for 20 years. I've been up here 30 or 40 times, and it's just been a madhouse of people. And her boyfriend walks over, and she goes, Teddy Garland. And that guy goes, he's the guy we've been listening to on all these podcasts and the guy that wrote the guidebook and everything else. And she goes, yep. And uh, he goes, man, this is so cool. He goes, we got the whole thing to ourselves. And I said, yeah, I told you, man, it's just, it's really cool, isn't it? And uh, we shot the bull, took a couple pictures and everything else. And she goes, I was a complete skeptic. I, I never would have believed it that you could get me here and have this whole thing to myself 
And she goes, and I said, yeah, we're just right out in front of everybody. Everybody's right behind us. Everybody's right on our ass. And uh, and I said, you know, next, you guys are going to go to the next. She goes, we know where we're going next. It's all in the guidebook, following the guidebook. And I said, yeah. And so uh, she goes, but I, I would have never believed it that you could get me here and have this whole viewing platform, one of the most popular stops in all of Yellowstone Park, and have the whole thing to ourselves. And this guy goes, yeah, this is really great. It was his first time up there. And uh, she, go, she goes, you just don't understand that. She, he goes, he goes, can you imagine being up here with another 100, 150 people, people lined up coming up that staircase right there? And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, that's what it's going to be like in 15 or 20 minutes, 30 minutes from now. It's going to be just inundated with people. And he goes, well, this is great, you know, and so and so that's what the guidebook does for you guys. Even on this one-day whirlwind tour of Yellowstone Park, I'm still getting you guys to all the right spots at all the right times, and that is the key to success. I know when everybody's going to show up there. Trust me, I've been an artist point five or six hundred times and, and I got tired of fighting the crowds up there so I know when everybody's going to show up. I know all the tour guides that guide out of West Yellowstone and I know when they're bringing their groups up there and we're in front of them as well. So that's what we're doing. We are staying out in front of the throngs of people that are going to be in that area shortly. And so, and I know where we're going next. Second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth in the canyon area. And every time we get somewhere to the next stop in the guidebook, I tell you some really interesting stories about the history of each area. And there's just some really fun, interesting stories. And there's some great historical stories as well. And they're all in the guidebook for you guys. So so that's how you tackle the canyon area. And me and these this group, there was another couple down there sitting on the Moran bench. And I went down there and they go, this is it. This is the Moran bench. And I said, yeah, that's it. So I took their, all their picture and took a few pictures with them. And basically, you know, I know where I'm going next just by by heart, but they were just following the guidebook and we basically ended up the four of us ended up hiking the the grand the canyon area for the next hour, hour and a half, and uh and then they went and, and had some breakfast and all that stuff and I kept on rolling. So but also, you know, once you get done with the canyon area, you know, I send you to the Canyon Visitor Center. And I tell you what's all in that Canyon Visitor Center, because that Canyon Visitor Center is hands down down the best visitor center in Yellowstone Park by a long shot. In the guidebook, I tell you all the fun things that are in that Canyon Visitor Center to go do. I mean, the rest of the visitor centers in the park kind of suck, but this one is I can't say that. Uh, this one is really, really good. Let's just say that. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, that Canyon Visitor Center's got a flat ass going on and there's some great places to go get some some food throughout through there. And that's where they went. And then I just kept on trucking and then I didn't see them for the rest of the day. But, but yeah, that guidebook tells you everything you know, how to tackle the, the canyon area and where you're going and everything else. Great stories. And then, you know, tells you to go visit the Canyon Visitor Center, which is top notch. So, all right. So that kind of covers everything in the canyon area. And from here, we're going to take off and we're going to head south and we're going to basically finish off the south loop. And then we're going to, next thing we're going to visit is the Hayden Valley, which is home to the largest free roaming bison herd on earth. 
And I tell a really great story. It's a sad story about the near annihilation in just a few years of the bison, which is basically the United States animal. It's the only animal found anywhere in the United States. It's not found anywhere else on Earth. And we just nearly wiped them out for no good reason at all. So... So we are done with the canyon area and we're heading south towards the lake area and we're going to pass through the Hayden Valley. All right, as you guys continue south right through here, you'll uh, see the Yellowstone River on your left, and it kind of just bebops through there, and you're kind of into the trees for about a mile or so. And then pretty soon, the trees will just stop, and you're in the Hayden Valley, which is home to the largest free-roaming bison herd on Earth. And if you look to your right, you'll see a quickly see a sign for the Nez Perce Creek Trail off to your right right there, and it's usually got a sign on it that says closed. And here's another quick story for you guys. It's kind of fun story as you guys are driving along. But right here along that Nez Perce Creek Trail right there, God, this is back in about 2017 or 18, there was this photographer from Bozeman. He came out there and uh, he wanted he was wanting to get a big picture of a grizzly bear. So he goes up that trail about 500 yards or so and he baits a bear. He puts down old food, like an old rib roast or something like that. Bear takes it off the trail and throws it up there in the trees a little bit. And so he comes back the next day to go see if there's a bear right there. Well, sure, sure, shoot. And there's a bear up there, all right. He comes around the corner and that rib roast is gone. And so he kind of, you know, is walking around through the trees and everything else, comes around a corner up there and that bear's back there. And uh, that bear sees him and goes over there and attacks him and just it nearly kills him. I saw a picture of him. Photographer baits bear in Yellowstone Park and gets attacked and all this kind of stuff. He was just torn to shreds. I mean, his face was mauled by these by this bear and everything else. Boy, yeah, it, it got him all right. Yeah, he baited a bear okay, and boy, it got the better of him big time. And so, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's why you don't bait a bear. Another story that happened right at that same spot a really sad story about these four young girls are in this car and they baited a grizzly bear over to their car with some food. And I tell that story in the guidebook, so I'm not going to get into it here. But uh, again, that story ends up very, very, very badly. And that story is in the guidebook for you guys to read as you guys drive along this little section of road through here. As you guys are driving along, the Yellowstone River kind of meanders off over to your left. There's this, these huge open valleys and stuff through here, and uh, it's a really pretty area. It's kind of really different than the canyon area you just left, and uh, you'll see bison and, and stuff everywhere. And like I say, in the guidebook, I give you the entire history of the Yellowstone bison and how many tens upon millions there were and how they got hunted down and why they got hunted down to next to nothing and how many bison wandered into the Yellowstone area and got started in there. And I also tell you the difference between a buffalo and a bison and all that stuff in the guidebook. So, But anyway, as you're tootling along through here, you'll see people pulled over at the pullouts. And some of them will have some spotting scopes and, and big binoculars set out there because there are bears in this area too. So as you're driving along, if you see somebody pulled over, you know, whip in there and ask them, say, hey man, what do you got? 
guys got, if they've got a, a bear out there, a grizzly bear out there or something, then then stop and take a look. But uh, if they don't, the bison are close enough to your car. So there's a couple wolf packs that call the Hayden Valley home. So pull over and ask them and just say, hey, man, what do you guys got? And someone will go, well, we got a grizzly bear back over here. And just park and walk out. If you guys don't have a big badass set of binoculars or a big spotting scope, and most of you don't, don't worry about it. Everybody's happy to let you look at stuff. And just make a mental note to yourself, if you guys ever get a return trip to Yellowstone, along this area, there is one of the best off-trail hikes to some secret backcountry geyser basins in this area. And, uh, of course, you don't have time to do it today because it's just this big whirlwind one day in Yellowstone. But right there, there is a beautiful hike to what I think is the most unique geyser in Yellowstone, which makes it one of the most unique geysers in the world. But you have to know how to get back there and all that. And all that information is in the guidebook for you guys. And so as you'll kind of zoom through that Hayden Valley and pull an off stop, asking, you know, get through there. It's about five miles long through there. And then pretty quick, you'll come to the mud volcano area. There's a couple on your left right there. You'll see some people looking over a wooden barrier right there down at some of the, the mud pots and everything else. But the parking area is off to your right. Pull in on your right there and kind of park at the south end or the immediate parking spots right there because we only have time to visit this lower area right here. So find a parking spot and they kind of walk up the trail to your right you'll see a big hot sizzling pond right out in front of you it's really cool looking smells funky smells like rotten eggs and all that kind of stuff and then you'll walk up this little uh, walkway to your right right there and this whole area is highlighted by dragon's mouth cauldron and dragon's mouth cauldrons kind of sitting back there belching and the steam's coming out and all this kind of stuff it's always great my little kids i said oh there's a dragon back in the hole you know little girls are peering over the railing right there to see if there's a dragon back in there if he's gonna come out and all that kind of stuff you can scare the kids right there real good it's funny the Hayden expedition was camped down on the river back behind you the Yellowstone River back down there's got a nice little green meadow down through there and the Hayden expedition was camped down there didn't even know this stuff was up there when they quieted down to go to sleep that night they could hear dragon's mouth cauldron belching back up here came up the next morning and found all this stuff and so you're going to kind of walk around this lower loop right here. It's a real small little area right here. And we just simply don't have time. There's an upper walkway. You'll see an upper walkway that goes up there. But it takes about 30 minutes to do all that. And we simply don't have time. And... The worst thing at the Old Faithful area is better than the best thing up that walkway. So just don't go up that walkway. Just do this lower walkway. Hop back in the car. Continue on south. And the next thing you're going to kind of come to on your left, and you don't need to stop because you can see it from the road, is the Lahardy Rapids. And the Lombardi Rap is just a small little cascade of the Yellowstone River right there. What this is, is a fault line. And this fault line in lifting is the natural dam for Yellowstone Lake. So everything north of this little cascade area right here, this little fault line and lifting, is called the Yellowstone River. Anything back upstream from this little fault line, the Lahardy Rapids, is Yellowstone Lake. And Yellowstone Lake is so big and so deep, it's classified as an inland sea. It's over 450 feet deep in spots. It's amazingly deep. And I mean, it can produce waves well over 10 feet, and it basically does that every afternoon when the wind comes up. Trust me, I have been out on that thing when that wind comes up and I've nearly lost my life twice on that puppy. 
Yeah, if you're out there on that eastern shoreline when the wind comes up, yeah, it'll it'll get your attention in a hurry, I promise you. So, but you'll continue on up the road a little bit and uh, you'll pass the Fishing Bridge Junction. There's absolutely no need to stop at Fishing Bridge. There is nothing there. But however, I did work right there. You'll see Fishing Bridge off to your left. It's no longer allowed to fish off of it or anything. You'll see old pictures with hundreds and hundreds of people on both sides of it just shoulder to shoulder with fishing rods out there bringing catching trout out of the Yellowstone River right there it was wild and then but back in the day when I started when I was seven years old I helped out rent canoes right there on the north side of Fishing Bridge on the left bank over there. You can still see a flat spot up against this big hill where the uh, old dock used to be where we had canoes stacked up there. And we would rent canoes out to people and uh, they would paddle up and down the Yellowstone River right through there. Yeah, the first job I ever had in my life was uh, renting out canoes to people in Yellowstone Park at seven years old. I think I did it for five years. So pretty cool stuff. And then uh, continue on down and then the next sign or next turnoff your guys are going to take is for Lake Village. And Lake Village has a number of things in there, but what we are doing at Lake Village is we are going to the Lake Hotel. And so you'll pull off and turn left and go into Lake Village area and make the first right you can make. And it looks like you're kind of diving in through the employee housing area, but then it'll dump you right down there by Yellowstone Lake and the Yellowstone Lake Hotel, the big yellow one, will be back off to your left and that is what you want to do. So turn left and then swing up on the circle driveway, drop everybody off up there at the drop off and then pull down the hill and park right down there by the water by the big deck. The Lake Hotel has flat got it going on. So let's talk about the Lake Hotel for a second. All right, once you go in the Lake Hotel, it is just a gorgeous hotel. It's beautiful. They got this huge veranda with these big cushy chairs and couches and everything sitting out there and a bar sitting right there and uh big white Steinway grand piano and it should kind of be cl getting close to lunchtime. You guys can have brunch or lunch there and the restaurant there is by far and away the best restaurant in Yellowstone Park. It has got great food and a well-trained staffed white linen tablecloths that have great views out over Yellowstone Lake. It's really, really got the best food in park by a long shot. If you guys are getting hungry or something like that, this is where you guys need to stop to have lunch or brunch and then enjoy a cup of coffee or uh, something other after the little bar right there and sit down on that veranda for five minutes and get your feet up in the air and get out of the car for a second. And make sure you visit the little gift shop back behind you right over there. That gift shop has by far and away the best gifts and souvenirs in Yellowstone Park. They sell stuff in that little gift shop that you can't find anywhere else in Yellowstone Park. I mean, they've got Pendleton blankets that are limited edition stuff. And trust me, I've got a couple of those things. They're just killer. And I got them all in that little gift shop there at the Lake Hotel. If you guys are looking for a souvenir to take home, that Lake Hotel has got it. They even got killer jewelry and stuff like that. I mean, that, that Lake Hotel's got it going on. Now, the restaurant seems to carry odd hours. It changes every year. So if you guys get there and it's closed, they've got a little deli right down the hall to the right 
where the restrooms are, and you can go in there and get a have them make you a sandwich, and they've got really good bison hot dogs and all kinds of stuff in there, and you can grab it and take it to go and go out there on that magnificent veranda and eat it out there on one of those big cushy chairs out there. In fact, it's got better views from that veranda of the lake then you get from the restaurant because some of those views are off to the right and they're blocked by some trees. So, and you can get serenaded by some guy playing that giant Steinway piano. Once you guys have had your fun, jump back out on the main park road back out there and there's nothing else to see. There's a lake lodge down the road, but it's janky. It's terrible. Don't go to anywhere further down from where you guys are at. You guys can go down to the car down there by the lake and take some killer pictures. Beautiful pictures. That, that is the most deadly body of water in the United States per user. In the guidebook, I tell you this harrowing, sad story about this Boy Scout troop that uh, all went out there and drowned on Yellowstone Lake getting their canoe badge. And this all occurred when I was a young kid in the Boy Scouts working down the road over there at Fishing Bridge. And this made national headlines back in the day. And it's a very, very sad story. I tell that story in the guidebook. And I also provide you guys information in the guidebook of where you can rent a very capable boat to go out on Yellowstone Lake. I try to get on Yellowstone Lake once a year, and in the guidebook, I tell you guys there's some really cool geyser basins that are not accessed via trail, but you can see them from your boat. And there's a couple islands you guys can go visit out there and hunt up some old Indian trinkets. And I tell you the story that this guy, this old concessionaire, hauled a bunch of Indians and a bunch of animals out to this one island, and they were out there, and then the whole thing failed. But there's you can still go find Indian arrowheads and the beaches and everything else and have a great picnic lunch out there. There's a lot of fun stuff to do on Yellowstone Lake, but you need a capable boat. And I tell you where you could rent that capable boat from so you can go tour Yellowstone Lake. And there's great fishing on Yellowstone Lake. You guys can go out there and catch a bunch of fish, go tour Yellowstone Lake, see a bunch of cool stuff on Yellowstone Lake. And all of that information, how to do that safely and securely in a big badass boat is in the guidebook for you guys. It's really cool. And I do it at least once a year. Once you get back out on the main park road, you will quickly pass by Bridge Bay Marina on your right, pass there and immediately pass the bridge for the Bridge Bay Marina. You're going to see Gull Point Drive on your left and you want to take Gull Point Drive. The road, the main park road, kind of veers away from the lake for a while, but Gull Point Drive drives right across the water, right across the lake. I mean, there you'll go across this little dam area, and I mean, you'll almost have water splashing up on your car if the waves are coming up through there. Uh, it's really beautiful, and it's got great views back across the water to the Lake Hotel. If you guys want to stop and take a quick picture, back across the water with the Lake Hotel, you can see how big it is and beautiful it is. And then Gull Point Drive just kind of swings around. It takes another four minutes and dumps you right back down the road back over there, but it just has great views of the lake and there's hardly anybody ever uses Gull Point Drive. It's really a great little nice drive right through there. And you're gonna continue on for a few miles down the road and then there's really not much to see. The road kind of goes close to the lake, far away from the lake, close to the lake, far away from the lake. None of the turnoffs are worth stopping or anything. But after a few miles, you'll go through this kind of odd spot and 99.9% .9 of all of Yellowstone Park is lodgepole pine. But you're going to go through this one area that is just weird looking, and it's just these enormous 
old growth spruce trees that somehow, some way have avoided all the fires over the millennia. It looks like you just got transported to Olympia Park up in Washington State. It's just nuts. A hundred foot tall spruce trees through here. All the lodgepoles are about half that big. Before you know it, you go into it and you're just kind of looking around. You're like, man, where do, where are we doing? Where do all these weird trees come from? And then before you know it, it, it ends. But if you go back and read that sign, you guys don't need to go back and read that sign. We're trying to get, you know, make some time today. That spruce tree forest, they say over the next few million years, will eventually take over Yellowstone Park. Park. Yellowstone Park used to have maples and dogwoods and things in it. Those are all the trees that are, are petrified, 35 million years old, up at the largest petrified forest on Earth, up in the North Loop. Very difficult to get to, very difficult hike, but really worth it. But those were maples and dogwoods that were growing in the Yellowstone Park area 35 million years ago. And they're saying over the next few million years that the spruce trees that you just went through will, are going to slowly keep taking over the lodgepole pines. Eventually, the entire Yellowstone area will be covered with these spruce trees. It's pretty pretty wild to see that right through there. Most people don't even notice it, but uh, you guys just go right through it and you'll go, oh, okay, I'm gonna kind of know what's going on. A few more miles down the road, you're gonna see the lake, won't see the lake, see the lake, won't see the lake, but then look for a sign for Pumice Point. I'm gonna kind of gloss over Pumice Point here, but Pumice Point to me is one of the most important stops in Yellowstone Park and hardly anybody stops here. But uh, in the guidebook, I get to it in depth, but I'll gloss over it a bit here. I get a lot of you guys that uh, send me uh, emails or pictures after you guys get home that go, you know, my wife and kids are going, why are we stopping at Punnis Point? It's just a pile of rocks out there. And it ends up being one of the most interesting stops in their vacation to Yellowstone Park. And it's really cool. If you know what you're looking at, Punnis Point's got it going on. So pull out there and park, walk down there to the lake. And this is, of course, where the podcast stops and the guidebook takes over because this is a really, really interesting spot. And in the guidebook, you'll be able to sit down and explain to your family or your group what you guys are looking at because this is hands down one of the best areas to see that you guys are still driving on top of one of the world's super volcanoes. And in the guidebook, I explain all this to you guys and how it how it happened and what used to be sitting out in front of you and uh, you know it's just a pile of rocks and but uh, if you know what those pile of rocks are and where they came from and how young they are, how recent everything occurred to place those rocks there. It's an amazing stop. Everybody that stops there, you know, like I said earlier, why are we stopping out here? There's nothing here to see and everything else. And uh, it ends up being one of the highlights of their Yellowstone vacation. And it's a great picture spot, too. There's a great picture in the guidebook of Lisa and I sitting out there on one of these crazy rocks out there. Because you can see the start of the Teton Range across Yellowstone Lake off in the distance. And, you know, once you know what you're doing, this is just a reminder of that you guys are dry, still driving on top of the world's super volcano. And it has erupted 16 times over the millennia on average with earthquakes 600,000 years apart. And we are now sitting at 640,000 years. And I'm telling you what has happened in this spot happened just a blink of the eye, geologically speaking.
And all of that information is in the guidebooks. You guys can walk down there and somebody can read to everything to your family and group. And then you guys are going to walk around and go, hmm, this place is really cool. So. So jump back in your car and you're still heading towards West Thumb Geyser Basin. And uh, it's an interesting spot right past Pumice Point for about five miles. You'll go through a, a fire area that burned through here about 2015 or 16. It kind of burned all the trees right through here. And there's a couple big buck elk that hang out through here. So if you guys kind of keep your eyes peeled through here... For those two big buck elk, I mean, they're some of the biggest buck elk in the park. So, all right, so you guys are getting real close to West Thumb, the West Thumb Geyser Basin. And so you guys will tootle down the road about another two or three miles, and you'll kind of see West Thumb pop up on your left. Now, West Thumb is, uh, like in my rating system, it's about a two out of a five. And everything at Old Faithful is a five. Everything at the Canyon was a five. So... And absolutely the worst thing at Old Faithful is better than the best thing at West Thumb. So we are not going to stop at West Thumb, but we are going to hit the T-junction right there. And then we're going to turn right and go up towards the top of the hill. And we're about 16 miles to Old Faithful from here. Right as you guys kind of get to the top of the hill, look off to your right right there, and uh, you're kind of look at it across Yellowstone Lake. You'll see the West Thumb and then Yellowstone Lake off in the distance, and look way, way off in the distance over there, and you'll see some real high peaks. Those are out of the caldera. The, obviously, the caldera is a flat area. It's because it fell in on itself. Big towering volcano fell in on itself. But those peaks out there, which are just right outside the edge of the caldera, the eastern edge of the caldera, is the absorption range and you kind of get an idea of just how big the park is from this point because you can see a big distance it's hard to see long distances in the park because there's not that many big high peaks to do it from and you can see across Yellowstone Lake it's nice and flat and you can see the absorber range off in the distance and you're at the basically the middle the east-west middle of Yellowstone Park kind of gives you an idea of just how big Yellowstone Park is because that absorber range is about 30-35 miles off in the distance and you're just in the middle the east-west middle of Yellowstone Park so that's how big Yellowstone Park is you can finally kind of get an idea for it plus it's a really cool picture spot beautiful views across the lake right there uh, back in the mountains and all that kind of stuff and if you look off to the south you can see a little bit of the Teton range so continue on up the road it'll kind of loop back to the left and then back to the right a little bit and keep your eye on the right right through here as well you'll see some knotty pine those twisted knotty pine trees and this is the knotty pine tree forest where they got all the wood and the lumber and things to build the old faithful inn the iconic old faithful inn and you guys are going to see that here in about 20 minutes so you'll see all the knotty pine inside and the twisted stuff and it's all polished up but this little knotty pine forest is where they harvested all that twisted, gnarled wood to build the Old Faithful Inn with. And you'll see some of that Hamilton store, which is right next door to the Old Faithful Inn. They've got, in fact, they've got Hamilton store written out in, in letters in Naughty Pine. It's really cool. So, yeah, this Hamilton store's got it going on. So, continue on up the road, and you're going to keep going for... You know, quite a few miles up and down over the Continental Divide, up and down over the Continental Divide, up and down over the Continental Divide a few times. And finally, you're going to come to Little Isa Lake. And uh, there's no need to stop at Isa Lake, but Isa Lake's beautiful little lily pad covered lake. There's a great picture of it in the guidebook. And yeah, Isa Lake's just beautiful. It was one of my mother's favorite things in Yellowstone Park. And Isa Lake, tiny little Isa Lake, 
is the only lake in the United States that flows both through the Atlantic and the Pacific. It sits right on top of the Continental Divide, and it just, you can barely see a little stream of water coming out both ends of it. It's pretty crazy, and the road goes right over the top of it on this old wooden bridge. No need to stop. You can get a great picture from your car right there. But yeah, Isa Lake's just a beautiful lake, and it flows both into the Atlantic and the Pacific. It's really cool. You'll continue on down, and in about seven or eight miles, you'll see a parking lot pop up on your left for Kepler Cascades, but it's not worth stopping at. Look to your right, and you'll see Old Faithful. And so you'll come quickly to the Old Faithful exit, and you're going to take that exit, obviously. We're going to get off right there, and then I want you to jump as quick as you can once you get off the main park road. Get in the left lane because you're going to kind of go around a little turn right here. And then you want to park at the inn, the I-N-N parking. Never park the geyser parking lot. The geyser parking lot, there's two huge signs with arrows pointing straight down the road. And 99% of everybody goes down there and parks at the geyser parking lot. And that parking lot's about the size of those at Disneyland. Don't ever park at the geyser parking lot. Turn left and turn go in and park at the end and you'll kind of crest this little hill right here and this gas station will appear on your right and uh, the geyser basin, the old faithful geyser basin will kind of open up out in front of you and it's the largest geyser basin on earth and there are more geysers just in this one basin not counting anything else that's up the road than the rest of the world combined there's hardly any other name predictable geysers anywhere else in the world but there are six right out in front of you it's an incredible spot and you guys should be here around 1 or 1 30 hopefully hopefully no later than two o'clock and you guys got to remember it doesn't get dark till nine so you guys can you know really push the, this day from 5 a.m to 9 p.m is a lot a lot of sunlight to see a lot of cool stuff and so hopefully we're here about 1 1 o'clock and so here's where this podcast stops and where the guidebook takes over. There's a chapter in the guidebook called Geyser Day, Old Faithful, Grand, and all the rest. And in that chapter, it tells you everything you need to know to have a great afternoon watching all of the geysers erupt. It tells you where to park. It tells you how to go get the predicted times. It describes everything you're going to see inside the iconic Old Faithful Inn and how everybody needs to go through those big red doors and walk in there and look at that awe-inspiring room and then where the Bear Pit Bar is, the Kippus Bar in North America is right behind that giant rock fireplace and describe all the glass etchings in there to you guys and then I tell you how to go work the geyser basin that's what i call it working the geyser basin i get you moved again you don't stay parked in front of the inn i move you again to get you closer and i also tell you how you guys can rent bicycles if you guys want to speed up the process and today that's a great day to do this i tell you in the guidebook where you can go rent bikes because it's almost a mile and a half from the south end of the area back there where Old Faithful is and the Old Faithful Lodge and all that stuff all the way up to the last geyser area in the main basin which is Riverside Geyser. It's almost a mile and a half each way and that's a pretty good walk and I'm telling you guys there is nothing worse in the whole world especially today to walk up to a geyser that's set to go off at say 2.30 say Daisy's supposed to go off at 2.30 and you get there at 2.35 because you had to walk all the way to Daisy which is about a mile each way and it already went 
went off and it won't go off again for three hours or whatever it may, the case may be. There's nothing worse than doing that. So I tell you where you guys can rent bikes and use them for the day and then just turn them back in because it's easy to ride bikes right to all of the main geysers. And I tell you some great stories in the guidebook about Crested Pool, how a little boy fell in it. I tell you what to watch for on beehives so you know when beehives going to erupt. And I tell you the best place to watch Old Faithful from. The problem with Old Faithful is, is you'll have 25 or 30,000 people there with you and everybody has just stood shoulder to shoulder on all the boardwalks and all the benches around Old Faithful. But... There's a lot better place to watch Old Faithful from, and I tell you that in the guidebook, it gets you much closer to the cone. The main visiting spots are 250 feet away from the cone, and I get you about 100 feet closer to the cone, and there won't be anybody over there. And all that information, where the best place to watch Old Faithful is from, is in the guidebook for you guys. And then I tell you how to watch Grand, the largest geyser on Earth, and how what time you need to be sitting in front of Grand, and where to sit and how it cycles, how you'll know what is going to erupt and all that fun stuff's in the guidebook. I even tell you a story about these two hippie hitchhikers that came into the park and were camped behind Grand, how they got killed by a bear back there to help you bide a little time while you're waiting for Grand to erupt during a cycle. And uh, But it's all a great fun day. It's all really fun. And the guidebook gets you to everything you need to see to have a great time watching geysers go off. It teaches you how to work the geyser basin. And the map in the back of the guidebook covers the entire basin. The basin doesn't stop at Morning Glory Pool. I tell you how to get to Artemisia and watch Artemisia go off because it's only another five-minute walk past Riverside and Morning Glory Pool. But the map that they got handed at the Old Faithful Visitor Center stops at Morning Glory Pool, but the map that's in the back of the guidebook covers the entire basin, and it gets you to Artemisia Geyser, and in the guidebook, I tell you how to watch for when it's going to erupt, and you can go down and see Jim Pool and Mirror Pool and all these really great pools aren't shown on the map they hand you at the visitor center, but they are on the map in the back of the guidebook. So you guys can catch all of the geysers and all of the pools in the Old Faithful Geyser Basin and not miss anything. It's all in the guidebook how to do all that in the one chapter, Geyser Day. Old Faithful, Grand, and all the rest. So you're going to sit in this area for as long as it takes to catch everything. And hopefully you can catch Grand, which is the largest predictable geyser on Earth. Everybody that sees Grand goes off after they've seen Old Faithful go off, they think Old Faithful's a dud. Old Faithful's about the third best geyser in the area. On and on and on. Just read that geyser chapter in the guidebook. Once you're here, I've got you to this point on this one big day in Yellowstone. Turn over to the geyser chapter in the guidebook, and then it tells you how to run the geyser basin, how to catch everything. Once you've had your fun and caught all the geysers that you're going to catch go off, I want you to leave the Old Faithful area, get back on the main park road, and go north and go to Fairy Falls, because we are going to catch Grand Prismatic. You'll zoom past Black Sand Basin right when you get back on the main park road, and then you're going to go past Biscuit Basin about a mile up the road, and you're going to go past that. And then about a mile and a half past Biscuit Basin, you'll see this huge parking lot on your left for Ferry Falls. And you want to find a parking space here. We're not going to Ferry Falls, but we are going to the 
platform to see Grand Prismatic. You never, ever want to park at the main parking lot for Grand Prismatic, which is up the road about another mile. All you can see from the boardwalks for Grand Prismatic at the Midway Geyser Basin, as you walk along next to Grand Prismatic from the boardwalk, you can barely see any of the colors and you can see a lot of steam. It's no good. You'd never, ever, ever want to park at the Midway Geyser Basin for Grand Prismatic, which is the main parking lot for Grand Prismatic. You want to park at Ferry Falls. Ferry Falls equals Grand Prismatic. Park at Ferry Falls, walk up the road. There's a cool pool right before you get to the old steel bridge that kind of goes over the Firehole River right there. And you'll be walking on this trail with hundreds, and if not a thousand people. And just walk down there. And then about five or ten minutes of easy walking, you're actually on the old park road that Hyman Chittenden laid out. That's the old park road that used to go right through there. You'll see Grand Prismatic appear on your right about eye level. And then quickly on your left, you're going to see this trail that the Forest Service put in to go up this hill. And you're basically going up the side of this hill right over here. And you go up there and then there's just killer big viewing platform that gives you unmatched views of the beautiful colors of Grand Prismatic down there. It is the place to watch Grand Prismatic from. I mean, so what happened was we used to go down Ferry Falls to go see Grand Prismatic all the time when I was growing up as a kid. And there was no platform up there. And what happened was we would go down there. I, we would take friends and family and all this kind of stuff down there. And then what we had done is we would just Work. We had trails that kind of cut up through the trees and hopping over logs and this and that and the other. And the higher you went, the better view you had of Grand Prismatic. Well, a tourist, an Asian tourist, saw local cutting up through the trees up there and followed them up there to get a great view of Grand Prismatic up there because that was the place to see Grand Prismatic. And it still is today off that platform. Well, the wind came up in the afternoon like it always does. And one of the big trees fell and hit this Asian tourist in the head and killed him. So the park service kind of figured out that everybody's going to go up that hill no matter what. So they closed Fairy Falls Trail down for a season, built this big viewing platform up there. And, and it is top notch. It's really cool. It's what us locals used to see for decades, but now everybody gets to see it. Beautiful colors of Grand Prismatic. You can't see any of that from down on the ground. You got to get up high to see Grand Prismatic. Every picture you've seen of Grand Prismatic, and Grand Prismatic is the most photographed hot pool on earth. You see it everywhere in every publication worldwide. I mean, you're almost up in the air like you're in a helicopter or an airplane. That's how great of a view it is up there. It's a killer view of Grand Prismatic. We have been doing this my whole life, going up that hill and seeing these views, but now the Park Service has built a platform for everybody to go up there. So, we're not going to Ferry Falls. Ferry Falls takes way too long to get down to Ferry Falls. It's almost another 30 or 45 minute walk each way to get to Ferry Falls. Plus, we saw some much bigger falls earlier today, so we are not going down there. So once you've taken all the pictures you want of Grand Prismatic, go down, get back in the car, and you're going to continue heading north. And you're going to go past that main parking lot and see all those cars, thousands of cars stacked up there to go get a crappy view of Grand Prismatic when you just saw the best view of Grand Prismatic. You're going to go zoom right past them, go right past the Whiskey Flats picnic area on your right, and then look for Firehole Lake Drive on your right. And you guys want to take Firehole Lake Drive. It's really, really pretty. And you'll drive up through there and get through 
through the trees and everything else, and then all of a sudden you'll come to Great Fountain Geyser. And hopefully you guys got the time for Great Fountain Geyser when you guys went back to the Visitor Center back up there at Old Faithful. They have it up there occasionally. Not all the time, but occasionally. If you can catch Great Fountain, catch it. Great Fountain's badass. Even if it's not erupting, a view across Great Fountain with kind of the sun setting across the, the pools and everything of Great Fountain. Great Fountain's a burst geyser. It's a badass. They got some benches right there. And again, you're 30 feet from the cone of Great Fountain getting splashed with water. But it's really cool. Great Fountain's beautiful. And then right down the road from Great Fountain is White Dome. White Dome goes off every 20 minutes and uh, it'll erupt for about a minute or two, about 30 feet in the air, right next to your car. And then uh, you can drive up to Firehole Lake. Firehole Lake is beautiful. It's gorgeous right through there. And in the guidebook, I tell you a rather sad story that occurred to a guy right there at Firehole Lake that uh, got killed by a bison and uh, has some kids or harassing a bison and uh, ended up getting this just completely innocent guy who's just doing a good deed, killed. and But uh, that story's in the guidebook for you guys, so I'm not going to get into it here. But uh, while you guys are tooling around Firehole Lake right there and spinning around, there's a couple other real interesting things that are in the guidebook about Firehole Lake. But uh, you guys can pull over and tell everybody the story. And after you get done telling everybody in your group this story, you'll you'll kind of be mad about this as well, like I am. I really, really pisses me off. If I had seen this happen, uh, I'm you know I would have put a stop to it. But I you know of course wasn't there. However, in the guidebook we provide you guys all the information about how you can police the park in the moment with your phone and how to help prosecute people that do really awful things like this and uh, this awful task by these kids ended up getting an innocent bystander with his family killed. And uh, it, it's a terrible story. But uh, in the guidebook, we tell you how to police the park in the moment with your phone. And when you get out of the park and get a good signal, we provide you all the information that you can text your video and the picture of their license plate and all this stuff. We give you all the information you need to help protect the natural resources in the park and do a good deed and uh, stop bad behavior in the park by helping police the park in the moment with your cell phone. And I promise you, those people will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law and end up spending a few days in jail, uh, huge fines, bans from the park, the whole nine yards. And uh, the key is to get a video of them and their license tag and then get them turned in. We provide all of that information in the guidebook. So, all right, continuing on down this road, and you're going to bone in right into the main park road again, and you're going to be at the Fountain Paint Pots. Right in front of you is the parking lot for the Fountain Paint Pots. The Fountain Paint pots are okay. There's a really good, uh, another story about Silex Spring, which you can see from the road right there. If you guys want to pull in here and park at the, at the fountain paint pots, then that's fine. But if... Like, say, if there's any predicted geysers that are going to go off back at the Old Faithful area, then I want you to turn around and go back to Old Faithful. Anything at Old Faithful, the worst thing at Old Faithful is better than the best thing at the Fountain Paint Pots. However, if you guys want to see the Fountain Paint Pots, the parking lot's right in front of you. It takes about 10 minutes to walk around the whole thing. 
And the first pool you'll come to is called Silex Spring. It's this hot pool. And uh, in the guidebook, I tell the, the story about a man and his dog. A dog jumped in the pool and everything else. And uh, the man jumped in after him and blah, blah, blah. But if you want to hear that story about Silex Spring, a man dying in that spring, then it's all in the guidebook right there. It's called the Rest of the Geyser Basins chapter. And I tell that story about Silex Spring, which is the first pool you'll come to at Fountain Paint Pots. So, and so from here, you guys have got some choices. Like I said, you can go back to Old Faithful and watch thing eruptive. One of the named geysers erupt. Grand was going to go off at 6 o'clock. Then go back and watch Grand go off at 6 o'clock or Riverside was going to go off at 6.30. Go back and watch Riverside at 6.30. But if you caught everything that you wanted to catch at Old Faithful, you know, you have you can do a couple of things from here. You're kind of gathering towards the end of the day. We've had a big day so far. However, the Grand Tetons are about two hours south from right where you're sitting right now. And you can drive down and watch the sunset behind the Tetons. That's a memorable sight and be down there in about two hours. You can take the fast way back. You can go over Teton Pass and then come up through Ashton and come up the back way back to West Yellowstone or wherever you're staying. And you can be back from Jackson Hole to West Yellowstone in about an hour, guaranteed an hour and a half because you're not coming through the park and you're not having the 45 mile an hour speed limit and you're not having all the traffic to deal with. So you can go down to the Tetons and watch the sunset down there. Or if you guys want, if you if you want to go back to, to West Yellowstone, direction. If you guys have had your fill for the day, seen everything there is at Old Faithful, had a drink at the Bear Pit Bar and all that kind of stuff, drive north. Here we're going to kind of continue on a little bit north and we're heading back towards Madison Junction. And I want you to take Fire Hole Canyon Drive which is a few blocks south of Madison Junction where we started our day. And the Firehole Canyon Drive is glorious. And uh, I'm not going to kind of get into all the details of it, but you're going to go through the Firehole Canyon Drive. There's a great spot where you can see the most recent lava flow through the park right there. And I tell you how to do that in the guidebook. And then you go up to uh, Firehole Falls. The Firehole Swimming Area is on Firehole Canyon Drive. And then lastly on the Firehole Canyon, I tell you in the guidebook how to get to the Firehole Castle gauge, which is a beautiful but seldom seen falls that are just off the road a little bit. I'll tell you where to park and how to get down to those. Then uh, jump back on the road and go back north and you'll be at Madison Junction. And then you can head back to West Yellowstone. And on the way back to West Yellowstone, like we covered at the start of this, I want you to stop and tell everybody in your group the story that's in the guidebook about the three brothers. It is an absolutely wonderful story about how thin the odds were of getting the Hayden expedition done without the three brothers visiting Yellowstone Park, the third, fourth, and fifth white men to visit Yellowstone Park in the early 1800s. I don't think the Hayden expedition ever happens. And so without the Hayden expedition, we don't get Thomas Moran coming to the park and half-painted picture of the lower falls. And so... Without these three brothers visiting the park, this it makes you wonder if Yellowstone Park would exist. I think it would have decades on down the road, but who knows what form it would have taken. So it, it's an interesting story, and it's a wonderful story, and everybody should hear the story about the three brothers on their Yellowstone Park vacation. And uh, you can see the three brothers' peaks and National Park Mountain and all that stuff. It's all detailed in the guidebook. So, all right, we have done it. We have had a wonderful, one huge day 
in Yellowstone Park and seen the best of the best of the best of Yellowstone Park. I mean, it takes a basically all day long to go watch geysers go off. Just once you reach Old Faithful, the geyser day chapter in the guidebook tells you how to see all the geysers in Old Faithful, and it basically takes all day long. So hopefully you guys got to catch everything. Hopefully you guys got there about 1 or 1.30, caught a bunch of the geysers, and then did Grand Prismatic and did the Firehole Lake Drive, and then whatever else you guys were able to finish off doing them. Firehole Canyon and see the lava flows and all that stuff. You guys have had a wonderful one day in Yellowstone Park. You're not going to be that guy that I run into the bars in, in the Wild West and uh, having a drink in the evenings going, man, we just had a miserable time. Stuck in traffic all day. We didn't know what to do. Watched Old Fable go off. We didn't know where how to work the geyser basins. You know, just having a miserable time in Yellowstone Park. You guys just had a great day in Yellowstone Park. One wonderful day in Yellowstone Park. And remember, I shoot a short YouTube video of all of these podcasts. It's kind of the skinny version of each podcast. So you guys can actually see me standing in front of a map of Yellowstone Park talking about everything that's in this podcast. But it's the kind of the gloss over version. It's the skinny version. But if you want to watch me do a video of this podcast, then you can catch it on our YouTube page. And remember, anybody that buys a guidebook, you guys get access to the QR code in the back, which gives you access to our private YouTube page where you can actually see all the really cool things we just went over in this podcast in a video form of me standing in front of it explaining it to you and you can kind of go through the whole park and see all of these things before you get to them. But that is a private YouTube page and only accessible by those who purchase a guidebook. So, all right, you guys have made it to the end of this podcast. Everybody have a great time in Yellowstone Park. And remember, the next time you come to Yellowstone, man, a lot more than one day to do it. It takes a long time to see Yellowstone Park, and there's over three months worth of stuff to do in the guidebooks. You guys can buy a guidebook and use it for year after year after year on your trips to Yellowstone Park. So, all right, talk to you guys later, and I will see you in Yellowstone Park.